0: Take your Bibles this morning and turn to 2 Peter chapter 3, 2 Peter chapter 3. I'm just going to be very practical with you this morning. Um, The message this morning is maybe more topical, I suppose, although there is some exposition in it. But... Um, I just want to be very practical with you this morning, and I want to share some simple thoughts with you uh, that the Lord uh, has challenged me with as I think about um, the start of a brand new year. And I think that's probably common for most people, that we think of a new year ahead of us, or at least the potential for, for it. We don't know what tomorrow will bring. Um, and so we leave that with the Lord, but we live as though, you know, we have, we have a, a whole year in front of us. And, and what is it going to be like? What are we going to do with it? Uh, how's it going to turn out? And all of those things. Those are thoughts that, that I have had that I think are probably fairly common. And I'm just going to share with you some simple thoughts that the Lord has challenged me with. And it's, just, it's not going to be some fancy alliterated out or anything like that, and just, just some, some practical challenges this morning that I want to help uh, you with, or really just to be transparent with what's happening in me. Second Peter chapter 3, and verse 18, the Bible says, But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be glory both now and forever. Amen. Peter makes this statement to these saints of God as he closes out this letter and this epistle. And his statement in closing is for them to grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. It's interesting when, when you study out Second Peter, which we have uh, in times past, we find that this statement that Peter makes is exactly how he opened the epistle. If you go back to chapter 1, Peter says in chapter 1 and verse 2, Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and and of Jesus our Lord, according as His divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, through the knowledge of Him that hath called us to glory and virtue. So at the end of the epistle, Peter says you need to grow in your knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. At the beginning, he said that grace and peace in your life is multiplied through the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ and how that God has given us all things that pertain unto life and godliness Through the knowledge of Him, the knowledge of Christ, who's called us to glory and virtue. Those words glory and virtue mean valor and dignity. God has called us to live a life of valor, a life of dignity, that comes through gaining in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. In this verse that we read, verse 18 is just one of several examples in the Scriptures where we're admonished and challenged to be growing in the Lord. 2 Thessalonians 1.3, Paul says, regarding the church in Thessalonica, we've talked about this several times. He said, we're bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is meet, because that your faith groweth exceedingly. And the charity of every one of you all toward each other aboundeth. Paul was thankful for that church because their faith was growing even beyond expectation. Look in Colossians chapter 1. Colossians 1 and verse 10. The Bible says here that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. This was Paul's desire for the church in Colossae as well, that they would be fruitful in every good work, but even more importantly, that they would be increasing in the knowledge of God, growing in their knowledge of Jesus Christ. Ephesians, look at Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians 4, in verse 11, "...and He gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry," for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect or complete man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. He's talking about growing in Christ, be not being children, but growing into a full-fledged, mature man like Jesus Christ. He goes on to say that henceforth or from now on, Be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. And we can look at a few others if we wanted to take the time to do it, but I think you get the picture here that it's very clear from Scripture that God wants His people to be growing in their faith. He wants us to be gaining ground in our spiritual life and increasing in the knowledge of God and being transformed into the image of Christ. Now, it's true that this is only a work that God can do, In the believers life that work of sanctification that work of making us like Christ it's a work that only God can do in a believers life but listen friend we know that's true however there is some personal responsibility that's involved there because we surely can stunt our own growth you know when you're a kid and you're doing some weird and crazy thing you got some weird habit what what is it that moms would usually say or dads would usually say? Just it's not really true, but it's something they would say to a kid to like freak them out, scare them. You know, when they're picking their nose or something. I don't know. Hey, don't do that. It'll stunt your growth. You know what I'm talking about. In the Christian life, that is actually true. Don't do that. It'll stunt your growth. We have a part to play in. Our spiritual growth and we grow according to the will of God God said he will conform us or transform us more into the image of Jesus Christ that is going to happen however for the child of God there really must be a desire in the heart to gain and to grow in our knowledge of Jesus Christ and the question The question is do you have that desire is there something inside of you that says I want to cooperate with God I want to grow in the Lord I want to pursue and to grow in my knowledge of Jesus Christ I want to be more like him do you have that desire so as I'm thinking about a brand new year and I'm thinking about my own life and I'm thinking about what lies ahead, I'm thinking about what is God's will and God's purpose, for me, we can't escape the fact that it is God's will for us to be growing in our faith, growing in our knowledge of Jesus Christ. And you know, the life of a church, in the life of a church, that spiritual growth is so critical. Growing in maturity, growing together in the Lord. It is so critical. A church can be around for 40 years, but it can still be really immature. It can still be really shallow. That is definitely not God's will for His church, nor is it God's will for individuals. Where are you in your Christian life? And do you have a desire to grow in godliness? So we're going to talk about that this morning, but we're going to talk about it really from the perspective of what what does it take to grow? What does growth require? How do we grow? And I'm going to be very basic with you. But sometimes the most basic things are the hardest things. I think that spiritual laziness is common. Spiritual laziness is easy. It's something that we can fall into unintentionally even. I think there are, in, you can correct me if I'm wrong, in your own life, but I kind of think and suspect that it's fairly common that each of us knows there are things in our lives that need to change. There are things about us that should change. Sometimes there are character flaws. Sometimes there are, there are bad habits. Sometimes there are just even spiritual things that we, that we are acutely aware of that we know need to change. But the desire to change is not greater than the comfort of our, pleasant, our present fleshly condition. Does that make sense? The desire to change or the desire to be better, the desire to grow is not greater than our present fleshly condition. And so we don't. Okay, is everybody connecting with me here? Like we know it's there. We know that there are character flaws. We know that there are bad habits. We know and we can see it in other people too. It's easy to see it in other people. It's easy to see it in ourselves, I think, sometimes. Not so easy to make a difference. Not so easy to change. And that's often because of spiritual laziness and because the desire to change is not greater than the comfort of our present fleshly condition. So what does it require? What does growth actually require? And I'm going to be real basic with you again. But I think, again, sometimes the basic things are the hardest things. And so let's talk about that this morning. I want to try to encourage you, help you, and just be very transparent with you uh, what's happening in in my own life. And I pray, pray that this will be a challenge. Let's pray in the we'll last, Lord, help. Lord, I pray that you'd give us your grace today and, Lord, that your word is, is rich to us and, Father, that we would have a heart and a mind to engage with it and, Lord, not to just know and learn principle, but then to apply in our life and. And Lord, we do pray for God's people, this church, individuals, Lord, that we'd have it in our heart that we have laying before us another potential year of life, another potential year to serve the Lord. What are we going to do with it? How is it going to be different? And Lord, what is your will concerning it? And we do know from the Word of God that it is Your will that we be growing in our knowledge of Jesus Christ. And I pray, Lord, that You would use Your Word to encourage us today. In Jesus' name, Amen. We're going to talk about three things. What does it require? What does growth require? First of all, we're going to talk about a determination to be consistent. Secondly, we're going to talk about hard work. And then thirdly, we're going to talk about depending on God's grace. Those are the three things, and there could be several others, but those are the three things that we're going to consider uh, regarding spiritual growth. First of all, consider this, that growing in the Lord is going to require some determination to be consistent. Some determination to be consistent. Consistency is critical... But consistency is often the thing that is so hard to do. I'm looking at your faces right now because I want to see if this resonates with any of you at all. Or am I the only one? Consistency is so critical, but consistency is so hard to do. And when it comes to the Christian life, uh, we're talking about growing in the Lord, you know, on again off again christianity is not something that is going to bring spiritual gain or spiritual benefit in our life what what do i mean by on again off again christianity well you know i know that there's this thing uh, that that needs to change in my life or uh, maybe we're talking about, you know, uh, uh, daily devotions or we're talking about something else. And I know that I, I need to do this and I'm serious about it. It's like the New Year's resolution, you know. I'm serious about it for a few weeks. But then life starts to come back and life starts to take over. And I start to sort of slip back to the same old, same old, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. This is the on again, off again. Christianity. I'm serious about growing in the Lord, but I'm not consistent. Does that make sense? Growing in the Lord requires a determination to be consistent. You know, when you talk about weightlifting, you talk about exercise, you talk about dieting, you talk about all of those things, if you've done any of those things, you know that if you work hard at it, and you're serious at it, and you make some gains, and you see some gains, and you make some ground, and you start to see some results, and you're excited about that, but then other things and busyness starts to take over, and you quit, you know that you can quickly lose a lot of what you just gained, right? So then you start back again, and Man, your muscles are really, really sore because you started over again. And you think, man, I worked so hard at this before and I had gained so much ground before, but I've, I've lost it all. Or vice versa, I've gained it all back. <laughs> all that I've lost, if you understand what I'm saying. Well, what are we doing when we operate that way? We're sort of covering the exact same ground Over again, aren't we? We've made some headway. We've lost it and gone back, and now we're covering that very same ground again that we just covered. In order to make something last, it takes consistency. It takes discipline in those those areas. And so it is in the Christian life, friend. In the Christian life, it's not the Lord's will for us to be continually covering the same ground over and over and over again. Now look at Philippians chapter 3 with me. This gives us an example of consistency in the Christian life. And notice what Paul says in Philippians chapter 3 and start in verse 7. We read these verses a week ago or last time we were together. We were were talking about the issue of suffering at the time and how Paul was able to know more of Jesus Christ and fellowship or come in partnership more with Jesus Christ through, through suffering. But notice the consistency factor here that Paul is talking about, because the whole context is really Christ likeness, gaining or growing in Christ likeness. And Paul says in verse 7 But what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss, for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ. If you remember, we said that that word, win, means to gain. And so in Paul's mind, the goal was to gain Christ, or gain Christ's likeness. And he said, I've counted all things as lost so that I could uh, learn the excellency of the knowledge of Jesus Christ. The goal is to win or gain Christ's likeness. And then he says, and be found in him, not having mine own righteousness which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know him. And the power of his resurrection and the fellowship or partnership of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. He's saying that if it, whatever it takes. So that I could arrive, that word attain means to arrive, arrive at the resurrection of the dead. Now what is he talking about when he says the resurrection of the dead? He's talking about, he, he's really talking about uh, arriving at this place like we would be with our glorified body, perfect like Christ. But then he says, not as though I had already attained. That word attain means gotten a hold of. He says, it's not as though I've already gotten a hold of this thing. Either we're already perfect... But I follow after, if that I may apprehend or possess that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. He's talking about keeping on, keeping growing. And then he says, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let us therefore, as many as be perfect, be thus minded, and if, any, and if in anything ye be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto, unto you. But now notice verse 16. Nevertheless... Whereto we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule, let us mind the same thing. He says the point that you've already grown to, don't lose that. In fact, build on that and keep growing. You see the picture of consistency here the goal is christ's likeness the pursuit is i've got this mark this goal in mind that i'm pursuing after and then he says nevertheless where to you've already attained the point point that you've already grown to don't lose that grow from that don't cover that same ground over again he says in verse 8 he wants to win christ it means to gain christ and, and what we find from this is that it's God's will for his people to grow and to move forward in the Christian life. Not even just maintaining, but to be growing and moving forward. The goal was Christ's likeness, the method was consistency. Now, we ask the question then. All right, if consistency helps us to grow, how can we be consistent in our Christian life? What are some things that can help us to be consistent? Because consistency is so critical, yet it's so hard to do. So what are some things that can help us be consistent? First of all, number one, we ought to have some vision or we ought to have some goals Having some goals is something that can help us be consistent in what we're trying to gain, what we're trying to get, where we're trying to go. Paul said, I press toward the mark. There's something that he had in mind. There was a goal that he had in mind, something that he was shooting for. I press toward that mark. We must have goals as well. Now, we can talk about different kinds of goals. What kinds of goals should we have? You know, we could have some personal or some life goals... Those are helpful. You know, you've got a new year ahead of you. You've got a, a, a goal in mind. Okay, this is what I want to see happen. That's going to help me be consistent in this year. I'm going to operate my life according to this goal, the thing that I'm shooting for. I'm going to even uproot my life. I'm going to tra- change some, some things about me so that I can attain that goal. It helps me be consistent. And Paul said, I press toward the mark. But what kinds of goals? Well, we can have some personal life goals. Those are good. You know what? One of the reasons that people struggle with discontentment in their life is because they have nothing that they're really pursuing after or shooting for. People struggle with discontentment in life. Like, Like, it's meaningless, it's pointless, I don't know what I'm doing, I'm discontented, I wish it was this way, I wish it was that way, and I flit over here to do this thing, and that doesn't bring it, and so I go over here and do this thing, and that doesn't bring it. And they struggle with discontentment, because they don't have something they're pursuing after. Sort of just floating along in in life. Nothing clear, no pursuit of something. Having a goal, having something to pursue after, listen, gives me focus in my life. And it helps me to understand that, listen, God's also got a purpose for me. And it's not God's will for me just to be floating around aimlessly, pointlessly, purposely, purposelessly. Is that a word? It is now. Okay, good. We're connecting. I can tell. Let's take it a step further. Not only do sometimes people struggle with discontentment because they don't have goals. You should have some life goals. You should have some some meaning, something you're pursuing after. But I've also come to realize and understood that oftentimes people become busybodies and gossips when they don't have anything that they're pressing for either. This is actually a Bible principle. Look in Second Thessalonians chapter three. Second Thessalonians chapter three and verse 11, Paul said to the church in Thessalonica, "For we hear that there are some which walk among you disorderly, working not at all, but are busybodies." There's some who weren't working. They didn't have purpose or aim. And it led to being a busybody. They were idle. I think you find that this this, uh, condition of idleness leads. In fact, let's just go to 1 Timothy chapter 5. You'll see this. 1 Timothy chapter 5. And verse 13. If we back up to verse 11, you get the context. But the younger widows refuse, for when they have begun to act wanton against Christ, they will marry, having damnation because they have cast off their first faith. And withal, they learn to be idle, wandering about from house to house, and not only idle, but tattlers also, and busybodies speaking things which they ought not. Paul says in some situations here, because of idleness and because of a lack of a goal or or something that gives purpose, they're, they're idle and they wander about and they become busybodies speaking things that they ought not. And I've learned that this is actually true. People become busybodies. They become gossips when they don't have anything that they're pressing for. I've learned that when, listen, I don't have time personally to get caught up in pettiness or drama because there are things that are happening in my life that are way too important to give any time to this. Having goals is a good thing. Having something you pursue after keeps you busy. It keeps you going. It keeps you living in a place where, you know, there are other things that are way more important than petty things. Having personal goals, having life goals, it's something that can help you stay consistent. But let's take it one step past that. spiritual goals are actually the things that ought to have the highest priority. Spiritual goals are the things that ought to have the highest priority that help us stay consistent. And growing in Christ requires a determination to be consistent. Look in Proverbs chapter 2 with me, please. Proverbs chapter 2. Proverbs 2 and verse 1. My son, if thou wilt receive my words and hide my commandments with thee, so that thou incline thine ear unto wisdom and apply thine heart to understanding, yea, if thou criest after knowledge and liftest up thy voice for understanding, if thou seekest her as silver and searchest for her as for hid treasures, then shalt thou understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God." For the Lord giveth wisdom out of His mouth, cometh knowledge and understanding. He layeth up sound wisdom for the righteous. He is a buckler to them that walk uprightly. He keepeth the paths of judgment and preserveth the way of His saints. Then shalt thou understand righteousness and judgment and equity, yea, every good path. We read here that Solomon says to his son, If you'll listen to what I'm saying, if you'll hide my commandments in your heart, if you incline your ear to wisdom, if you apply your heart to understanding, if you search after and cry after knowledge, if you seek after it like it's fine uh, gold and and precious silver, if that's the thing you're going for and pursuing after, he says then in verse 5, then shalt thou understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. He gets down to verse 8 and 9, and he says that God keeps the paths of judgment, that He preserves the way of His saints. And then he says, you're going to understand and know every good path if you pursue after this thing. You know, most are pursuing something, but one who seeks divine understanding one who seeks after wisdom, one who seeks after knowledge as the highest priority of life is going to find it. And then you see in verses 8 and 9 that it's going to produce good things in your life. Verse 9 says you'll understand every good path. Who doesn't want that? Who doesn't want good things in their life? Who doesn't want their life to be blessed and joyful and a good path of their life, right? Well, as we look at these, I want you to ask yourself these important questions here, okay? As we're looking at a new year ahead of us, ask yourself these important questions. Question number one is this, what kind of success is actually most important to me? In this next year, what kind of success is actually most important to me? Is it financial success? Is it personal success? Or is it spiritual success? Question number two is this, if I could realize only one ambition this year, what would it be? If I could could have one ambition realized, if I could reach something this year, if I could only get one, what would it be? Is it something personal? Is it something financial? I've realized this financial goal. No, personal and financial goals aren't bad things, but are there even more valuable things that we ought to be pursuing after? What about spiritual ambition? For example, we just talked about how most of us know that there's something that needs to change in our life. I've got some sort of a character flaw that I'm acutely aware of. Okay? I've got some bad habit in my life that just keeps continually cropping up and it's actually a spiritual thing at its core. Why not have the spiritual goal that says, Lord, help me gain spiritual ground or victory in this thing this year to overcome that so that I can be more like Christ. That's my goal. Having a spiritual goal. Consistency is the key, or a something that helps. I've got this thing in mind. It's a spiritual goal that I want to reach with the Lord's help this year. It's going to, listen, is going to help dictate how I live this year so that I can reach that goal. Does that make sense? Rather than just aimlessly wandering Spiritually speaking, what is it that enables us to find a good path in life? Well, verse 5 said, Thou shalt understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. The knowledge of God. The knowledge of Jesus Christ. Being more like Christ is what enables us to find a good path. Wisdom and understanding should be sought after as though they were silver, as though they were hid treasures. Something that's continually pursued after. Sometimes I watch these um, gold mining shows in in Alaska. There's lots of them. And they actually can be really frustrating because it seems like they never actually get anywhere. And episode after episode, they're trying for the same thing. They're going to, but they never actually find it. They never actually get it. Praise the Lord that the Christian life is not that way. Amen? That when we pursue after it and we seek after it, God said, you're going to find it. We need to We need to see beyond where we're living today, right now. A lot of times that's the problem. We can't can't see beyond the immediate or we can't see beyond the right now. We can't see long term. We have a hard time with that and all we see is the hard work or whatever it's going to take right now to be able to set it up for later to do this, right? We need to see beyond where we're living today, have some spiritual goals to gain in the knowledge of God. And having those spiritual goals helps us to be consistent. Well, where do we get the knowledge of God? Well, we get it from His Word. And here's the second thing that's going to help us to be consistent. It's the Word of God. It's the word of God. God's word has got to be involved. Turn with me to 1st Timothy chapter 4. I'm belaboring this point. The second two points will be really fast. All right. But this one is critical. 1st Timothy chapter 4. And look at verse 12. 1st Timothy 4:12 Let no man despise thy youth. But be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Neglect not the gift that is in thee, which was given thee by, the, by prophecy with the laying on of the hands of the presbytery. Meditate upon these things. Give thyself wholly to them, that thy profiting may appear to all. Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing this, thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. Paul said to Timothy, he said, meditate on the word of God, give yourself wholly to it, and you're going to profit from it. Take heed to yourself, take heed to the doctrine, continue in it. Because doing that's going to save you and those that hear you. He's talking about the effect of the word of God in our life. Now go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. We've been here in the past as well in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. But I want you to look at verse 13. And in the context here, Paul is giving thanks for this church. He's giving thanks for their spiritual growth and, and, and their love and their charity to each other and all of those things. But I want you to notice what Paul is also giving thanks for in verse 13. He says, For this cause also thank we God without ceasing, because when ye received the word of God which ye heard of us, ye received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God which effectually worketh also in you that believe. Now when we talked about this uh, the, on our Wednesday night services in 1 in, in Thessalonians here, we, we talked a lot about the, how the Word of God works effectually in our life. And Paul is giving thanks for this church, and the first thing that he's giving thanks for is their reception of the Word of God. He said, he, they, he gives thanks without ceasing because when ye received the word of God, which ye he heard of us, ye received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth the word of God. Now, notice the word received is given two times there in that verse. He said, We give thanks because, first of all, when you received the word of God, that word means the outward, external listening or the learning of the word of God. So they had to hear it at some point, right? They had to hear it outwardly. They had to learn it at some point. So back in Acts chapter 17, when Paul was initially in Thessalonica, he went into the synagogues, he preached those three Sabbath days. It wasn't a very long time, but he's preaching unto them the Word of God. They heard him. They listened to him. They learned the Word of God. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God, amen? But then he said... That when you received the word of God, which ye heard of us, ye received it not as the word of men. This second time the word is used, the word received here means accepted or embraced. So in other words, you heard it, you listened to it, you learned it, but then you accepted it or embraced it as it is truth. Here's the inward welcome. Not just the outward learning. They heard the word with the ear. They accepted it with their heart as true. Not as the words of men. Not like another teacher, another philosopher, another religious leader. But truth from God. It wasn't just Paul's words. But it was God's words that they accepted as truth. And what I'm saying here is that the real Christian life is going to have a connection between the person and the Word of God. The Thessalonians didn't view the things that Paul had spoken to them as just common words of men, but they recognized that Paul was sharing God's own words. And real Christianity will be tied to God's Word. If people are connected to God, they're going to be connected to His Word because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. If there's no love for God's Word, there's likely no relationship with God. If God's Word is not existing in your life, then there's a serious spiritual problem at the core. And so Paul says, I thank God that when you receive the Word of God, God's message, you accepted it for what it really is, truth. But notice what happened when they accepted it as truth. The last part of verse 13, he said, "...which effectually worketh also in you that believe." What happened when they accepted it as truth? When God's word was now an integral part of their life, it began to effectually work in them. To effectually work. It's the Greek word energeo. It's where we get our English word energized from. And it means to be operative. It means to be at work. It means to put forth power. It means to be efficient. So follow this thought. The word of God when it was accepted as true, wasn't impotent. It wasn't like the words of men. It was something that had power to effectually work in those that believe. Listen, that word is a verb that shows action. When this word is used in the New Testament, that Greek word energeo, it's almost always used to refer to supernatural action. And most of the time, it's referred to God's action going on. For example, 1 Corinthians 12:6, are there there are diversities of operations, but it is the same God which worketh all in all. That's the same Greek word. What's the point that I'm making here? Whatever is going on in our life if it's good if it's for the glory of God there's going to be a connection and a tie to the word of God we will not gain Christ likeness we will not gain in the Christian life if we are not consistent in the word of God because that's God working in me through his word You can't separate success from the Word of God working in your life. You can't do it. What does it take to grow? Well, it takes a determination to be consistent. Having some goals, some spiritual goals, helps us, but so does the Word of God help us to be consistent. Secondly, growing is going to take not just consistency, but it's going to take some good old-fashioned hard work. You know the old saying, the best things never come easy? Or something like that. I don't exactly know what the saying is. I just heard it here and there. The point is, the Christian life isn't easy. Neither is growing in the Lord. Why is it not easy? Mostly because the old flesh never goes away. The old flesh is always there, and it's going to take some work on our part. You know how hard it is when you're trying to... Uh, gain a personal goal you know you've gone this far and this is something that's got to change about me and so now i need to set out to to make this happen you know how much hard work it takes right you know well it takes hard work in the spiritual realm as well paul said in romans chapter 7 he says in verse 18 i know that in me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing for to will is present with me but how to perform that which is good i find not for the good that i would i do not but the evil which i would not that i do he's talking about this continual war between the flesh and the spirit And he said there's a desire inside to do well, but how to perform that, to find that, is something that that I miss sometimes. Why? Because the good that I want to do is not what I do, and the things that I don't want to do, that's what I end up doing. It's hard work. Sometimes it takes extreme things to change something about us, and those extreme things are going to require some work. But let me make this application. Because we need to remember this, that it's not just work and actions alone, but it's also attitudes of the heart that go along with it that will produce the right actions. When the heart is right, other things begin to naturally flow. It's the heart that determines who we really are You know what you can do all the right things but if the attitude of the heart is not right there's not going to be true yieldedness to God because the Bible says as a man thinketh in his heart so is he Look at Proverbs chapter 2 again because we were there in Proverbs chapter 2 talking about seeking after Knowledge, pursuing after it, inclining our ear to it. Notice verse 2. So that thou incline thine ear unto wisdom, and apply thine heart unto understanding. Yea, if thou criest after knowledge, and liftest up thy voice for understanding. Look at verse 5. Then shalt thou understand the fear of the Lord, and find the knowledge of God. Look at verse 7. He layeth up sound wisdom for the righteous. He is a buckler to them that walk uprightly. Notice the connection. Verse 2, Solomon says, You incline your ear to wisdom. You apply your heart to understanding. You cry after knowledge. You lift up your voice for understanding. You pursue after that. You do that. And then thou shalt understand the fear of the Lord. And, and verse 7, God is the one who lays up sound wisdom for the righteous he is a buckler to them that walk uprightly it's almost as if these verses are saying if you invest yourself into these spiritual things if you if you invest yourself into wisdom and to knowledge and to understanding and you search after it if that's where you invest your heart you will become that kind of a person Listen, even one who tries to do good is not really truly going to receive the knowledge of God without being yielded to him and his divine principles with the will. It's the will of the heart. What I'm saying, it's not just actions. It's also attitudes and the will of the heart. In Proverbs chapter 1 and verse 7, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. But fools despise wisdom and instruction. How do you get the fear of the Lord? Well, it's wisdom. You can understand the knowledge of God and the fear of the Lord through wisdom. But he says here, it's the fear of the Lord that's the beginning of knowledge, but it's the fool that despises wisdom and instruction. That's talking about a heart attitude. So we've got... it consistency. We've got hard work, but it's not just actions. It's also attitudes of the heart. But the third thing, and maybe probably the most important thing, is dependence on the grace of God. What is required for growth? Being consistent. Hard work, but dependence on the grace of God. In Philippians chapter 2, In verse 13, just a few passages of Scripture and I'm done here. Philippians 2, in verse 13, Paul said, For it is God which worketh in you, both to will and to do, of His good pleasure. It's God who works in you both to will and to do of His good pleasure. In Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 21. Let's go back to verse 20. Now the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you perfect in every good work, to do His will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in His sight through Jesus Christ to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Go over to Psalm 119 with me. Psalm 119. We can desire to change and we can desire to grow, but Our desire to grow is never more than God's desire for us to grow. I think that's comforting because it sure does relieve a whole lot of pressure of having to try to do on my own. Psalm 119, in verse 115, and I want you to note the psalmist here. Verse 115, he says, Depart from me, ye evildoers, for I will keep the commandments of my God. But then he says, Uphold me according unto thy word, that I may live, and let me not be ashamed of my hope. Hold thou me up, and I shall be safe, and I will have respect unto thy statutes continually. Notice notice how the psalmist says, I'm going to do this. Depart from me, ye evildoers, for I will keep the commandment of my God. There was a desire of the heart there to do this. I want to be consistent, but then notice the dependence on God. Because he immediately turns around and he says, Uphold me according unto thy word that I may live. Verse 17, hold me up and I will be safe. That's really how it is. In the Christian life, a determination to be consistent. I want to grow. There's the desire that's there. I'm going to put in the work, but Lord, I need You, and I need Your grace. What is grace? Divine enabling to make it happen. One more passage of Scripture, 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Moving more quickly through this for the sake of time, but I think you understand. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 8 And God is able to make all grace abound toward you that ye always having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work Amen God is able to make grace abound toward you over in Jude at the end of that one chapter The Bible says unto Him. Now unto Him who is able to keep you from falling. He's the one. And there needs to be a dependence on His grace. And let me just wrap it up by asking this question. Are you growing? Are you consistently walking with the Lord in His Word? Is His Word a regular part of your life? Are you personally involved in the working process of God making you like Christ? Do you have a desire for God to take you higher, closer to Him? I'm just thinking about this next year. I'm thinking about what is it that the Lord wants of me. And I know this. If I don't know anything else, I know this the Lord wants me to be growing closer to Him. Growing in my knowledge of Jesus Christ. That's not just a random thing. There's some things that need to change. There's some consistency that needs to be developed. There's some character flaws that need to be adjusted. There's some spiritual ground that needs to be gained. And if I'm Serious for a little while, and then life sort of kind of takes over again, and I lose that. I'm just sort of covering that same ground over and over and over again, and not actually gaining and growing in my knowledge of Jesus Christ or Christ's likeness Something to take serious. And the promise is that, that we read in Proverbs... You seek after it and pursue after it, you're going to find the knowledge of God, and in the end, it's what's going to bring you or lead you into a good path in your life. Think on it. Amen. Meditate on it. Let's not aim or aimlessly wander, rather, but let's pursue. Amen. those spiritual goals. Let's pray, Heavenly Father. Pray that you. Encourage your people. Use your word. Lord, help us to be consistent. But Lord, very dependent upon your grace, your divine enabling. Cooperate with you in the work that you are wanting to do in us. I love you today. Thankful for your mercy and your grace. To me, your kindness your long-suffering, Lord, your tenderness and your patience. Lord, I pray that that would be returned with a heart of yieldedness and surrender to you. Lord, we want a good path for our life. We want joyfulness. We want to experience those things. We want a measure of success, but what kind of success is the most important? What kind of goals should be the most important? What are we pursuing after? And Lord, I pray that You would cause us to grow more into the image of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name we pray, Amen.